0: Signs of the Southland, Sunday, November 21st, 2021. Mr. Grant, as I understand it, you're at the holiday office today, aren't you?
1: That I am. Uh, We can talk about why later, uh, other than the obvious Thanksgiving-related reasons. But uh, yes, beautiful, breezy, uh, definitely breezy today, Chicago. But um, we'll be around throughout the week. Do
0: you want to start with a sport that, uh, that you seem to be representing with your jacket there?
1: yeah uh we can say that swimming, as many listeners probably know, is near and dear to well both of our hearts but particularly mine um, but uh really strong weekend uh for swim and dive I think it is safe to say uh, it's very tough to to compare apples to apples at an invite given you know there's a lot of teams there i mean the, the men competed against teams that were all ranked above us in uh, from the rumble seats proprietary cap rankings. Uh and and tech's 28 in those. So they're they're not exactly slouches. Um five top 25 teams or top 30 teams in our pool for the men. And then the women were, you know, up against those same five teams, plus a, a solid mid-major in Florida Gulf Coast and Iowa, uh, who I thought had cut their swim program. So maybe it was just diving. I didn't actually check because they got kind of smacked. But um but Look, the, they had to pay
0: Kirk Ferentz somehow, so...
1: The the men's and women's combined teams that were here were Florida, Florida State, Auburn, and Georgia. Uh, so really, everyone from our neighborhood. Um, also, I don't know if anyone pays attention to this, but I've literally never referred to the school in Athens as their actual name in any article in five years, which I continue to uh, plan on doing this week in the swimming article, but that's proving a little bit challenging. Um if you read the recap, we'll talk about men's basketball in a bit. But, you, you know. You have to
0: use different different metaphors. School in we, Athens. Uh, Monafile, uh, let's see. Little Shantytown University.
1: This uh, is a little bit much, but I usually stick to the school in Athens or Athenians. Um, but that also feels a little bit too grandiose. That being said, don't give there's them too plenty much credit. of it. There's plenty of rabbit holes we could fall down here, but in terms of the top teams from the Southeast, you miss a Tennessee, you miss a Bama, uh, you miss the North Carolina schools, but that's starting to get out of the way and we've already seen them this year. But other than that, like Florida State, honestly in the pool, probably our our top swimming rival, I don't think is too bold to say, given that we don't swim against UGA one-on-one every year. Um, You see Florida, one of the best, most decorated teams in the country probably every year for the last 30 years. Auburn, uh, one of the most successful schools in the history of the sport as well. And then FSU, oh, wait, we already talked about FSU, but the uh, the obvious concessions that need to be made towards Athens as much as it burns. So yes, a very decorated field, all very good teams. Tech took fourth on the men's side, beating uh, the aforementioned school in a clean old splash and hate. Ooh, very tough. <laughs> uh, but, you're getting booed but, for it. The the ladies did finish fifth out of the uh, combined teams, only ahead of FGCU and Iowa. Really, uh, there's a, there's a lot we could dive into here. There was a fantastic recap on ramblinrec.com dot uh, that I cannot thank enough for making it easy to compile some opinions, seeing all of our B cuts, A cuts, program records, etc., all in one place. I, and I more- want to
0: I want to color this by saying. This man has now dropped in our shot sheet a like 30 to 40 cell or row Excel table of just like A cuts, B cuts, zone cuts, times and events of just notables from this yeah. weekend.
1: It's everything that resulted in a uh, cut of some kind. So A cut, B cut and zone cuts. Uh, split between or combined between everyone. There's 35 uh, between the diving, swimming, men's and women's. There's a couple new faces on here that probably uh, regular listeners or even you know me and you uh, wouldn't necessarily rec- recognize. Be they uh, freshmen or whatnot. We had one a cut. I think that's probably the most important to lead with um, an a cut as. Uh, we can definitely talk about later more is a automatic birth in the, uh, you know, the, whatchamacallit, NCAA
0: championship.
1: Yeah. Words are hard, Uh, but uh, automatic birth in that. It also comes with a freebie, all of your B cuts. So yeah. And, And once you qualify one guy for NCAAs, then there's some rules that pertain to relays and things like that. So copy
0: and paste your explanation from last year into a future episode.
1: Oh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, talk about that more in February. But the point is, Christian Ferraro not only uh, solidifying with his 140 33 in the 200 fly, uh, a fantastic swim program record, a cut for him. It has trigger effects uh, for the rest of the uh, men's team, which is very, very good. So it should be good to see them there uh ferraro broke his own record and uh has gotten the a cut uh in the past too a lot of um a lot of swimmers get invited just based off the b cut and being conditional so uh but once you're in you're in so great to see him in so you know book those tickets for ncaa's now Uh we'll have athletes in the water that being said a home program, meet
0: too. it's all, it's all a home meet. meet
1: oh yeah yeah it's a home meet you don't even have to go far if you live in atlanta but um yeah the uh other team records Berke Saka in the 200 back. That's his Olympic event. Um, great to see that record fall. We noted Ferraro. We also have Claudia Butterfield uh, representing the women here. Her 100 breast is tantalizingly close to breaking that uh, minute milestone, which is pretty big for swimmers, pretty big mental thing to get over that hump. But uh, the time,
0: come on, come on.
1: Isn't it one double o ninety?
0: Yeah, one, one minute, 90 milliseconds. So not 90, well, you we can't do 90 seconds, but one minute, 90 milliseconds. That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's fantastic. Oh, Saka also at 140 in his uh, his 200 back, noting well that, uh, you know, given that he swam it in the Olympics, it's good to see that translate to the short course yards because it it does make a bit of a difference um, pool to pool or pool length to pool length, I should clarify. And then you also have Merck Killaboo's uh joining his thousand record that he broke the last time out. Um, I believe this is his either fourth or fifth meet, depending on how you count this weekend, last weekend, etc. SCAD. Anyways, he's only swum a handful of meets and he has the 101650 free records. Um, so those are probably the most notable. But the different uh the different swimmers we had, a couple divers, uh, Alan Mann grabbing a couple diving zone cuts. Kami Hidalgo getting all three, the one, three, and platform. You had Ruben Lechuga in the one and the three, and then a couple more platform qualifiers. And then notably, I think probably the main other storyline, uh, we haven't said Kayo uh, Pompudis' name at all. So, you know, uh, wild to see them doing all this without, you know, their, one of their bigger stars between him and Ferraro. And then uh, uh, Batur Unlu uh also has not been mentioned that being said there was a lot of B cuts from a lot of the supporting players Antonio Romero a very very good freshman showed it with three B cuts probably being the breakout swim but I know that's a little bit all over the place do you have any other overarching comments I think that that about wraps it up in terms of the notable swims but uh, again great to see some freshmen and more depth getting those B cuts that's good uh for the trickle down effect yeah um I I want to go back
0: to something you said about there being some un or, or some new names, or names that we didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. Uh, going through the list, Carmen Woodruff uh, on the diving boards, uh, Clark Wakeland on the 500 free, uh, Justin Alderson, I think we've talked about, Leandro Odorisi on the 100 breast, uh, and then Zora Rukova on the on the 100 fly. I think those are the those are the breakout yep. names that we saw this meet, uh, and names I hadn't heard before. So. So we're here for to bring you new content, new content yep. about swim and dive.
1: Yeah. The uh the Romero bit probably being, like I said, the the breakout. We have not mentioned him at all. The we've talked about Austin Daniel being speedy in the fat uh in the past. Wakeland's been around the block, and then Alderson kind of coming into form as you know, a uh, great relay swimmer, but not necessarily uh, getting the Unlu Saka Ferraro Pamputis treatment in the past. So great, great to see some of those uh those folks fill out, and uh, hopefully hopefully, Pumputis comes back strong. Um, that's probably the main question to take from this, but otherwise, I don't have 2019's GT invite in front of me. I could go find something, but I don't know where uh, or how to find that quickly and efficiently, but at least to my gut, and you can correct me on this, remembering our conversation about the 2019 GT invite, this feels like a, a stronger finish or a stronger list in terms of I mean the- it,
0: it okay. certainly feels like a longer list of some of these cuts some of these accomplishments yeah right I think you're starting to build and this was something we've been talking about the last two years it's starting to build out that depth um, depth in the rotation and it, it's it, depth in the rotation isn't just a thing for like baseball or football or, or what have you but it, having people that can score points in a swim meet all across the board in a variety of different events is important. And I think that's what we're seeing here. The development of or, or consistent development as we go through from 2019 into 2021 and 2022.
1: Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's good to see development and this is the mid season taper. Hopefully we see some similar strong results come, uh, you know, come the end of the year that'll be that'll be attempt too but lots of swimming to happen still before then in january and february what is their next meet i don't have that on hand i think that's it for the winter but i will pull up the schedule real quick it's not even winter
0: yet it's not even december
1: but for the fall how's that for the fall um let's load more this is fascinating um we have a oh one more meet for the winter it is a duel on the men's side tech and northwestern we've swum them on the road before and then the women and the diving will be joined by miami Uh, miami does not have a men's swim program but their men's diving is very very strong and the women's swimming and diving is is well i mean the diving across the board is great but it's not gonna not gonna besmirch that program they've got a a very strong little group down there uh in coral gables so
0: cool let's Pivot to a team that was in action today. Uh women's basketball played a game versus Auburn. Uh that finished up just about 30 minutes ago. Uh, we'll get to that. But earlier this week, they dispatched East Tennessee State in Johnson City, Tennessee, uh by just around 23 points. Uh next week they'll play Hofstra. They'll host Hofstra uh at noon on I think the 24th. But now let's talk, let's give down to brass tacks here and talk about this Auburn game. It was a not-so-great performance, uh, cover to cover. Uh, I think we were talking about this earlier. Auburn did not miss a shot to open the game. I don't think they missed one until after the first quarter timeout. Is that right?
1: Uh, yeah, I believe it was well, well, well uh, into the closing minutes of the first quarter. And, and the score was not at six, but uh, Tech kind of, kind of froze up, and Auburn was – Lights out um, effective from range and also from, you know, just uh, making their layups, making their free throws. A lot of fouls, a lot of charges and turnovers to find that first quarter and that first half. Scrappy, scrappy effort. This is, I think we
0: need to set the table a little bit, paint a little bit of the background in this scene. Auburn is one and two in 2021, but they only snapped a, what was it, like a 19 game losing 15, streak I think. 15, last week something yeah it was like an it, it, I the, I think the broadcast said 19 19 game losing streak last week by beating Alabama State at home I believe so they lost the last like 15 to 17 something like that games uh at of last season were 0-15 in SEC play uh th- I think they had a coaching change this offseason, so that, that's why you're seeing a little bit more, more scrappiness this year. But this is a
1: uh, – when I say bad loss, I mean bad loss on paper. Yeah. I mean, they made a a good hire, don't get me wrong, but the fact that they still stumbled out of the gate, their win, I believe, was against Alabama State, which is not exactly an inspiring turnaround. You know, not do we to have – uh, not a real UConn in this, no. uh, in this sport. You're going to have games and, and experiences. And we saw this last year, this, this team lost to Boston college last year. Uh, again, three fixture week, what have you, but I don't, I don't know. They kind of struggled on Sunday too. I don't know if it's the building and, and being in McCamish, that sounds silly, but they, they just didn't look like they have, um, Granted, we couldn't actually see the East Tennessee game because there was no live stream. There was, was no live stream, no radio,
0: no nothing.
1: I think there that. was radio. I, I, thought, I, I thought I uh, tuned into Richard and Courtney when I was driving home. Um, well, it was nigh unwatchable, literally. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can't. It. It. If there's no eye test, you can't really do much with that. But you know, they were solid. They played a similar game to CMU uh, and and Kennesaw State. But um, I don't know, like you can't go 3 for 11 on your layups in in the first quarter plus and expect to win a game frankly you know you, you're expecting on easy in shots like that being closer to 80% they weren't awesome from the charity stripe you combine those things and and tech goes from what probably should have been based on how they played in the second half you know a, a double digit win to a yeah we lost to auburn by a couple possessions and scrapped it out at the end but they never really could close that door uh auburn always responded before uh before tech could get closer than i believe five um yeah i
0: think the broadcast noted that the closest deficit was was five or the lowest deficit was five
1: like that don't get me wrong they didn't give up and, and there's nothing that you can say poorly about the team or individuals and no one should because this is a very good team and they're gonna bounce back but they just you know, now need to go out and bounce back and, and mm-hmm. use that Hofstra game before a very tough first two weeks of uh of December roll around. Mm-hmm.
0: Um using Hofstra Hofstra as a get-right game will be really, really important. There was one other news what? item that came out of this game that you had mentioned to me when we were preparing for this. Uh Fletcher is out for the year with foot surgery or after some foot surgery. I don't know, and I don't think they mentioned this on the broadcast, at least while I was watching. I don't know if that means she'll get a medical red shirt. Um, It's unclear what that situation is going to be. But that's something to keep an
1: eye on uh, in terms of her eligibility. Yeah. um, One thing I do want to add, I'm pulling up more of the stats, but it was kind of interesting to see the. um, How do I? How do I put this? The uh, roster management, roster utilization, because uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here. I, again, there's. Uh, I guess we could try and pivot to live stats, but I'm trying to find the exact. Um, yeah, watch online ACC Network. Buy tickets. Mm. Give uh, Give me a second box score. Yeah, Van, for a sec while I pull up the ESPN box score.
0: The thing for me about this game is it—it's just on paper. This is a really bad loss. Maybe Auburn is—is is better than they, I think, than we thought they were. They're—they're they're a team that really believes in themselves. They played a really tight game, especially on the defensive end. Um, but we've seen it in this it, so far this season. One, I think you mentioned it earlier. This team, Georgia Tech, has struggled to start hot. Yep. And they've also had some very peculiar offensive rotations, and I think that may have also come into play um, here where you have Lorella Kubai sitting right at the top of the key a lot. Uh, and and her, that obviously that's not necessarily uh, her usual spot, right? You really want someone of her size, her skill, to be in the post, to be physical in the post, but she's up there, And she's trying to work the ball around and make space for herself, which is an interesting tactical shift from relying on maybe that more traditional version of her staying in that post as a post presence.
1: Yeah. Um, One thing I will note uh, is we did not see any of Loyal McQueen, didn't have much insight on that. If they said anything on the broadcast, I certainly missed it. Uh, It is worth noting uh, that Kabai was also playing in foul trouble fairly early into the game. Tech had 12 first half turnovers, which is not great. Many offensive charges were noted in particular, um, but Kubai uh, finishing with only 28 minutes. Again, 28 minutes is a lot of minutes. Don't get me wrong, but that is uh, definitely less than she is used to seeing. Uh, She finished with four personal fouls. Um, Malia Love only had 28 minutes, had five personal fouls, fouled out. Uh, You definitely want to see more of both of those players in the game. Uh Love has been pretty pretty reliable and transcendent. She was 3 for 6 on field goals. Tech was very cold from 3, uh, going 2 for 11 on 8, so 18% shooting, uh 35% shooting uh overall, which is not bad but you know could could be better. Uh but the the free throws only making 58% of those is very tough. You go to the line 19 times and only come back with 11 points um again not to it, it feels like we're circling back and, and going oh what is this bench utilization but what is where are these players at what's going on why can't they make these easy things you've got to struggle in every season at some point even if you're a top 20 team we said it about volleyball we'll say it about baseball in the spring presumably they'll be you know hopefully picking up where they left off things like that um and not not every game is going to go your way. Not every game is going to break your way. And really, the fact that they only lost by as little as they did and rallied in the second half, I don't think you could have written a more uh, disaster scenario for Georgia Tech in the first quarter. Ten minutes without scoring, finish the quarter with six points, can't make a bucket, Like you're turning the ball over a lot, you're drawing a lot of fouls, some of your best players, a top 25 player in the country in the form of Kubai is sitting on the bench and, you know, only yields six points. Like if that's as bad as it's going to get for Georgia tech, granted they're going to play better teams, but I, I, I trust the staff and I trust this team. Like mm-hmm. somebody's going to get right somewhere. Mm-hmm. They've gotten- uh, I don't
0: think we've actually said the final score. We keep talking about a multi-possession uh, loss. It, it was 59-51 Auburn. Um, yeah, uh, not a great line. I think that's adjusted by a couple of free throws, uh, at the end, well, uh, it it, Got down, like we said, it got down to five, uh, pretty late and tech
1: fouled to try to stop the clock, but it, it is. And the, the, the eight point margin the, if you exclude the first quarter, they win the game by five and that's including the, you know, free throw nonsense there. It's not like Georgia tech was was out of this game or uncompetitive so don't take that away from this segment either it's just man that slow start whatever was first quarters
0: are important first quarters are important yeah and and this team needs to and, and it's something like i said i or like both of us have said it's something that we've seen in a lot of these games so far is that that first quarter is a slow start and that's something that needs to be worked on as we continue to get through the season
1: yep i agree And and you know get right against Hofstra, take the longer break, rest, recuperate, watch film, you know like that's that's what you got to do.
0: Sounds great. Let's take a pit stop over at O'Keefe before we head back to McCamish to talk about the men Uh, volleyball. Had uh, a game versus Pitt at home, uh, number three in the nation. Pitt they won, I think the first set, and then lost the next three for a final score of one to three. Uh You watch this one uh, from the comfort of your airplane. How, uh, I don't
1: remember I exactly there. where you were. I did the stress refresh of the live stats for the first two sets. And then they were like, all right, go put your phone in airplane mode. And that's when I was like, all right, deuces. Hey, we'll so it was from the comfort land. of a sky lounge. It was not a sky lounge. I'm not that fancy, but uh Ooh. the, uh, Tell me about it. Tell me about what you saw from the live stats, at least. And and the the benefit of that is it really lets you focus on the numbers instead of the emotion, which you should like, Mr. Numbers man. Um, College volleyball
0: is a marriage of numbers
1: and words, as I've always said. And and emotions. But we can unbox that one in a second. Um, But uh, Georgia Tech played about as good of a set as you can play against a top five team in the first set. Uh, they attacked with efficiency. They were close to 300 in the first set, uh, held Pitt under 100, and that's that's how you get an eight-point margin. Uh, Pitt was, had a lot of errors, both forced and unforced. Uh, again, some of that's a little bit me conjecturing based on, you know, watching the play-by-play tick through and the descriptions of what happened. But, um, no, Georgia Tech had about as good of a first as they could have. Um, O'Keefe kind of does that to opponents sometimes, I think, too, before they settle in. Uh, But after that, yes, the other three sets were close and and competitive, but it's tough to not only lose, but lose after after you've been winning. Um, I I, I don't know. It's it's really, 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 really frustrating. And that's a lot of really to know that this is a team that we beat in their own gym and and we're winning against and and all of those things Um, and, and to not you know, come away, come away with the, the win. But uh, in front of a sold out crowd, you want to see that. But think about what we're complaining about right now. Or, or, or
0: We're complaining about a loss, a fairly close competitive loss
1: to a top three team. But, and that's the thing too. Akshay, we went one in three against top three teams this year. Have we had more than one game against a top five opponent in any season ever? I don't I mean, think so. And I don't know. Unless they played play a home play and home. But yeah, but I, I think the last time we played Pitt in a home and home, they were like sixth, seventh, eighth kind of range. But but even then but the point stands. I get the point you're trying to make. It it's it stinks that this team now sees a five in the loss column. Cause because really, really UCLA is a very comparable team to Georgia Tech, uh, based on everything we've seen since, and could have gone the other way if maybe that was in Atlanta. Um, but you know ifs and nuts uh but um no it, it georgia tech only has one head scratcher of a loss the five setter five setter uh it's an order dame um again you can't really explain everything away but the other three losses are all the top three teams and we beat one of them on the road like that's not that's not a bad year it's a very like a, a spoiled position to be in that we can say oh man wish we had a couple more of these but look at look at this match and and granted uh, i know when i landed i had a, several texts from several people about uh about refereeing but i don't oh I don't we'll don't get to them that them i want to know. i
0: want to talk about the numbers first but it. finish your statement but,
1: but again the the tech the tech uh scoring line we we alluded to 25-17 in the first and then came back to lose 25-22 25-23 25-21 all of those are close that is not a uncompetitive volleyball game much as last week against louisville was not an uncompetitive volleyball game and it's one thing to see like that three in the pit column and be like grumble but i mean the the net margin there turned out to be eight for us and then you know four two and and three back to them that's that's about as even as you can play uh the errors uh did bite us a little bit in the second third and fourth the third in particular but um but no uh, we were relatively consistent in in our hitting and and our side out like that's not really not really much more you can you can ask for they they played a bit of a longer bench but i think that was kind of by necessity to kind of shake it up a little bit too at the end there but that's just me
0: i want to add a couple more things uh looking at the box score here i think tech lost 6 points on errors uh mm-hmm. net 6 points on errors they actually outscored I'm reading this correctly, which I guess I don't really know what points means in this context. Uh, they outpointed, outscored uh, Pitt. Actually, it says 72.5 to 66.5. Um, I'm not a volleyball expert, so I can't really tell you what that means, but I assume it's good. Um, I think it comes down to those six, those net six points, right? The, that's really the the killer here because Tech has. Let's see um 21 attack errors to pits 17 uh 12 service errors to pits eight that'll kill you right there yeah. 12 service errors. you're handing your uh, and there's a couple more here as well that i didn't read off but you're handing right there you've handed pit eight points on yep. attack and service errors uh, and in the first set you held them to what a point oh six five 65, a 65 attack percentage mean, not even 65 point zero six five attack percentage
1: well and and part of that too is is pit did commit a lot of errors um so that uh, since an error counts as a negative really really skews that hard but i think another telling sign to look at is the side out percentage for pit in the first uh 44 that means there Pitt wasn't doing a particularly effective job of receiving the balls that they got you know so mm-hmm. and, and but
0: but I think it's full credit to them because they adjusted, right? They they either made some tactical adjustments or cleaned up their act because you see 44% in that first set, 72 in the second, 70 in the third, uh and 76 in the fourth, whereas Tech stayed at right around 60 or 64 to 66 uh yeah. the entire game. So there's definitely some obviously that's the that's the, the difference of the game, but you can see in that in those numbers plainly, that there was an attacking adjustment for Pitt and Tech was not able to combat that effectively, or at least to, in order to close that gap.
1: Yeah. And I, and I do want to reiterate just at least a little bit the the consistency that we did see from Tech. Yes, a little bit higher in errors in the critical third set. That probably would have made a difference there to limit a couple of those. But in terms of the hitting consistency, and in terms of the Uh, again other than the errors the the reception consistency i don't i don't think you can say that this was a game where we just got a little bit outplayed and and it stinks to lose games where you get a little bit outplayed but again this is us speaking from a position of privilege to be 21 and 5 um hopefully understanding in terms of the coaches rpi is numbers so that that doesn't need as much understanding per se but you know it's it's a good team. Um, we've played you, a lot of good teams. It's a, uh, would you say it's a quality loss? Yes, I, I would. The ACC is the best conference in the sport this year. Uh, <laughs> the Big 12 doesn't really count because uh, there's only 10 teams, and so we have a little bit more dead weight at the bottom. But uh, but our best are as good or better than the best in any other conference, and I know that sounds a little arrogant being an ACC guy, but it's important to celebrate historic things while they're here. Speaking of the ACC, um I do want to note uh that uh one Miami is now in front of us, a Miami team that we beat three to one in the regular season um, said Miami team uh plays an eleventh ranked strength of schedule uh, in terms of conference teams based both on their overall records and their a c c records while tech is second and third respectively, despite you know not having to play georgia Tech uh so that tells you just how hard, uh, it's been the only team, uh, that's anywhere close. Clemson's tough. They, they got pit in tech twice. And I think Louisville maybe, um, and then Duke's up there as well, but, um, yeah, uh, it, it, it'd be frustrating to see such a great year wind up with a four, uh, in the conference standings, but I don't think that detracts at all from, from tech taking, uh, a self-assigned tough non-con schedule with a lot of challenges and a tough, uh, given, uh, Conference slate, and and it's great to get in games against good competition because I think hopefully we can see that pay dividends come uh, come December. But just got to take care of business the next two games.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about those next two games very briefly. Uh, the first one coming up is the home finale, at least the home regular season finale, Wednesday on the twenty fourth, two p.m. versus Clemson. That'll be on ACC Network Extra, uh, and then Friday the season finale regular season finale at Florida state. That's a 6 PM tip on ACC network extra FSU. I think we already talked about uh, we've talked about previously. They are a good team. They're, they're an RPI top 15 team. The last time I checked. Um, So uh, that's a really good test heading into tournament time. Obviously the ACC doesn't have a conference tournament. So this is a straight shot into the NCAA tournament season. Um, and then Clemson is a team that tech has beaten before and should beat again.
1: Yeah. Um, they need to take care of business there. I'm not gonna belabor that point too, too bad. Um, it is worth also noting Clemson is sold out. So good job y'all. Um, tech will have played in front of, uh, four figures of fans in one, two, three, four, five, six of their last seven games until the Florida state game, since we don't know, uh, the results of that yet. So that's, That's good to see. And, um, you know, Clemson's down a little bit, but taking care of business on the road at FSU would be a very good way to close the season, regardless of everything else that's happened.
0: Speaking of things that happened during that pick game, I want you to walk me through a video that you found online and posted and sent me a recap. uh, Yeah. uh, A specific incident during this pit game.
1: So, Uh, For those that are unfamiliar, there's a guy uh, who started out breaking down like Yankees and got big from doing breakdowns of like ejections and stuff like that um, called John Boy. Um, But uh, his whole thing is is breaking down weird things that happen in sports or maybe confrontations, whatever. And in this game, uh, I believe it was in the fourth set, a Georgia Tech fan walked out of the stands uh, on the east side of of O'Keefe to the uh, non-student O'Keefe, side, the the band side, the band and commentator side.
0: Wait, no, the band and oh, did they put the band on the on a different side of this
1: the no. arena this year? East side, the highway side of O'Keefe. Okay. Um. Anyway, continue. Walks out of the stands, and gives the ref his glasses. Which you gotta be pretty fed up with the refing, and and the breakdown only focused on like two plays. Um. I'm sure that that was not triggered off of two plays. If the game's in the fourth set, there had to have been things, particularly in that third, uh, that was very close. If I had to guess, granted, I didn't watch the third, um, but uh, given how close it was, I'm sure emotions were at least high. Um, And given that at the time, uh, uh, Coach Collier was, I believe, out of challenges as well. Uh, So probably a lot of 50-50 plays. um, I think we can insinuate from that. Anyways, guy gives the ref his glasses ref doesn't like it uh but he gets uh tossed um i believe in the breakdown the lip reading says um like you're not getting any more of my money or something like that which is a silly uh silly thing to hold against tech versus the refs if i'll editorialize a little bit uh but uh the guy grabs all of his stuff and uh and then marches out uh with a uh Less than friendly gesture uh, to the ref as well.
0: Oh, so, tell that you can say what the gesture was. Why don't you? If you're so uh, in the know, God, he flipped him the double birds. Yeah, it was very uh-huh. funny. It was all very
1: funny. Hey, we take our volleyball seriously at Georgia Tech volleyball school, um, baby. I, I am, you know, a little bit like, oh gosh, that's a little bit embarrassing. But uh, I am glad that I think we at this podcast are loud stands uh, and supporters of, of Georgia tech volleyball. And hopefully you all have followed along on this year because 21 and five uh, with the opportunity to win two, three, four question mark, more games um, puts that up there with one of the best runs in the program history. So take advantage of it while it's here. Cause these aren't, aren't guaranteed and they don't last forever. Um, and it's great to see O'Keefe very, very full. So that's good to see.
0: Another arena that should be very, very full coming up shortly here as ACC conference play starts soon, men's basketball uh, at McCamish Pavilion. Last week they hosted Lamar, uh, whom they beat by nine. Uh, We'll talk about their second game from last week in a bit. Uh, Just to get through the next week recap, they will play two Southerns Uh, They'll play tomorrow, Charleston Southern. That's a 7 p.m. tip on ACC Network. Surprising that that's on ACC Network because you'd think a Coach K special would be on at that time. Uh, uh, And then on the 26th, they'll play Georgia Southern at noon on the ACC Network Extra. Uh, Let's talk about their
1: second game of last week. Please do the honors. I do want to note one thing. Coach K is playing at 9 p.m. on the ACC network on Monday against the
0: oh, this, this last season tour de force is just so dumb. Anyway, please continue.
1: Anyways, um, I did very much enjoy being at McKay Mission person on Monday, uh, no matter how close and sus that uh win wound up getting close to. However, uh, noting as we earlier did about my presence during volleyball, neither of us. Was actually in Athens for the game uh, for basketball. uh, And we were uh, subject to the delightful wins of the SEC network. Uh, Georgia Tech in Athens, um, the stakes being Coach Passner's first win against a team from the state of Georgia. Uh, This includes the one in Athens. Uh, He had lost all of the so far matchups there. So I believe he was 0 for 4. Tech had not won in Athens since 2013 or over Athens since 2014. In the first half, not going to lie, uh, the uh, the jackets were a little bit slower out of the gate than their hosts. Uh, that's tough. That's tough being in somebody else's gym in front of you know ten thousand loud fans. But um, despite that, they never really let it get to more than a six point lead. Kept clawing back. Um, one could say, and I would probably say this that the refereeing felt a little bit unfair to myself and would called you me say- uh, and given that the fact that UGA was in the double bonus with still half of the first half to go is a pretty darn indicative statement because Georgia Tech, like, I get it. Everyone commits fouls. We are not that much one sidedly worse than any other team that we are out fouling somebody 10 to 2. That's absurd. That is absolutely absurd. I've never seen anything like that. Anyways, uh, Jackets did not let that defer them, uh, despite foul trouble for several folks. Um, but I think the main takeaway here in the first half is probably Mike DeVoe's 19 points, which he followed up with 18 in the second half. Uh, DeVoe finished with 37 points, the second most in the history of the rivalry. Uh, Usher had 21 and, uh, you know, Mike DeVoe had a, had a nice showing, uh, two years ago in Athens, but, uh it's nicer to walk away with a 10 point victory. I I noticed some of the discourse online being like, Oh, why are people talking about tech having escaped? It was a 10 point game. Not saying those people didn't watch the game, but you probably didn't watch the game because up until about three minutes left, uh, it did not look like tech was going to win this game by 10 points. It was, Oh no, we've choked away our 10 point lead. UGA is now winning. Uh, but tech was able to rattle off a quick, a quick layup, uh, turnover turnover, no um defended shot and then a second layup to go up by four a lead that they never relinquished with three minutes to play i've talked a lot do you have anything uh
0: you didn't let me finish my you were barely disappointed in the officiating bit so thank you for that uh you also didn't lead with the score of the game which i set you up for and i am disappointed that you haven't learned how to podcast in the x number of episodes that we've been doing 88 to 78 in Athens at Stegamen Coliseum mausoleum. It really was a mausoleum at the end because you could hear the Yellow Jacket chant ringing around the arena.
1: You could hear Let's Go Tech in there for a bit too. Um, Yeah, the mausoleum.
0: You know where their money's at. It's not in basketball.
1: Hey, all I'm saying is I delight, and I, I will say this, I grew up as an Indiana fan. I still delight in beating Tom Crean so bad. I don't know what it is, but it's because it's Tom Crean. It's it's maybe it's the rivalry too that has made it go from like eh to like uh but um you know uh UGA had several very solid performances, you know, from from their crew. Uh it was noted that there was quite a few just like very impressive long threes. I, I think that was something that kept them in and active and up in the game, uh, was their effectiveness from range. Uh but tech. You know, eighty-eight points on—I believe it was close to sixty percent shooting. Right? Um, it was a—it was a meme back or, or a fact, I guess, in twenty seventeen that I'm pretty sure Georgia Tech did not lose if they scored seventy points. And that those offenses of those first three passenger years were a lot more like, please let's just smother them until they go away, uh, for opposing teams. But in this case, it was a lot more of a we are really effective with the basketball. And and the fact that DeVoe scored 37 was he put the team on his back and it's what the team needed. And he was, when, when your shooters looking good and and feeling it, you get them the ball. If that's the person that's going to make your plays, there's no shame. in you know, a Kogi having a 40 or 50 point game four years ago, just as there's no shame in, you know, it taking Jose Alvarado, 10 steals to beat. uh, I think it was NC state. Like there's, if a guy's doing something, well, you get him the rock, you know? So, well, in Alvarado's case, he technically took the rock, I guess. You you know what I mean? Like, just just it it, it shouldn't be diminished as a, oh, gosh, what if we didn't have Devoe? Because if you don't have Devoe, Devo Coleman's getting more minutes and he looked great. Miles Kelly is getting more minutes and he was effective and, and had some very clutch points. Um, Davon Smith, he uh, was in foul trouble, uh, probably a little bit unfairly. Again, we, we've noted some of the, the issues with that. And they did all this with a very uh Lorella Kubay-ish situation for Rodney Howard. Um, with having really no big man um or and having him in foul trouble in four fouls, like three or four minutes into the second uh second half, and then losing him with eight to play. Like that's that's tough to lose your most effective uh paint presence. And as noted in the FTRS Slack, great job on, on developing, on developing again, because he's looked like a lot better than he has so uh good job for the staff for that
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, I think the staff's main or the staff's main idea in the last couple of years has been get old and stay old right it's all about player development i think we've seen that with moses Wright. now we're starting to see that with rodney howard obviously we have a lot of season left to go um but some of these trends that we've been tracking are now starting to bear fruit i think that's really exciting moving forward
1: yep i agree um I think like if somebody asked online about the significance of the win. I don't think that this is a, we just beat a top 10 or top five Louisville a couple of years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing. But the fact is Georgia tech has shown that we've made some demonstrable uh, improvement. Uh, we're getting contributing uh, roles from, from players that are filling the shoes of pretty big and notable Georgia tech folks. And uh, you know, like it, you can't expect somebody to immediately fill four-year starter, Jose Alvarado and uh, most improved player in the last 10 years for Georgia tech Moses, Wright Immediately. And the fact that tech has pretty effectively so far, it's been bumpy, but retooled um, shows that something's going well in midtown shows that there's demonstrable process, uh, progress being made relative to, to, uh, to Crean in, in his fourth or fifth year. Um, and that's always going to be a measuring post, even if UGA is not a basketball school in the way that it's a football school, or I guess a women's gymnastics program, but, but they're great at women's basketball and softball, and they have good baseball. Like these are demonstrable things. Basketball is not really their game. You'll want to be better than them. We should be better than them. And on Friday night, we were better than them, despite being in a hostile environment and less than ideal circumstances.
0: Said so better than I could. Uh, I think that is it for our recap this week. Uh, like I said, for men's basketball this week, uh, they will play Charleston Southern tomorrow, 7 p.m. tip, ACC Network, followed by the lovely Coach K, uh, unfortunately. Um, and then again, on I think that's Friday the 26th, Georgia Southern, yep. uh, noon tip on ACC Network. Extra, you had one bit that you wanted to end the show with today. I'm giving you, let's check the clock here,
1: five minutes. Okay. Oh. Um, that being said, I don't think any of us in the greater science of the Southland listening and talking worlds want to talk about what happened on the field. We can, we can rehash that, but it's nothing we haven't already said, and it's nothing that won't make us sad. Uh, so I'm not going to put a damper on what was a very emotional and fun win Georgia tech on Friday night in basketball. That being said, um, I did go to the game live. Uh, I had been to South Bend once before. Uh, It's a historic place. I'd caught the Notre Dame USC game in 2013, exciting back and forth, honestly, the opposite of what we could say about this past weekend's game, but it is incredible. One, the amount of institutional commitment that is very clear to their athletic programs. Um, the concourses around the basketball stadium, um, filled with letter winners in history and just uh, a tangible connection to the past. And in ways that Georgia tech uh, has somewhat uh, in, in terms of what we see in the edge, but just a, you know, granted we don't have any Heisman winners or anything like that, but they have a Heisman display and every letter winner is engraved on the walls and, you know, uh, trophies everywhere and lists of academic all Americans and all Americans uh, in, in all their sports. Like that is the kind of thing that is, um, a nice to have, not a necessity, but I think would would serve georgia Tech well to to do more of um, the architecture on campus is very impressive uh the unification of all of that obviously there's you know the dome and and the library mural touchdown Jesus and his lesser known brother first down Moses, which I thought was a joke that didn't exist, but there's literally real. Moses with a pointing finger uh, around the corner real. it That's is I saw real. it I saw it. I saw it. It's Moses with the number one finger pointing up uh, around I the corner on the on the that. west side of the library. But um, and then the Basilica is is gorgeous. Um, but uh, in terms of what they did to the stadium it is remarkable how different the feel is still very uh, cool place to watch a game. Um, I was upstairs in, in actually one of the new sections for long and rambling reasons. But I don't know. It, it shows what you can do to refresh a program that had kind of been in the doldrums under, under Weiss and, and into Kelly Um, something that needed more of those, you know, the, the luxury box seats relative to regular seats. And, and you can say it maybe takes away a little bit, not having everyone as close everyone in the bowl. And, and I think that's a a fair thing that may be true, but um, you know, it it shows that you can bring in more revenue. You can have parallels uh, a la FSU building the academic structure into the side of the building. And, and I don't really want to talk about any of the other football stuff, like I said, but it just shows how drastically you can change a place uh, while still keeping it the same, I guess. I don't know. This this should be my vague and rambling endorsement of build the new edge uh, and, you know, keep up the, the refreshing that they're doing to Bobby Dodd because um, if Notre Dame could do it, uh, a stodgy, dusty program that, needed uh needed more and and needed to put the money into it granted uh that's basically a bottomless pit of money uh that you can tap i still think it shows that it's a worthwhile thing there's a bit there's a bit somewhere
0: in there about the donation plate i i'm sure
1: you can make that joke if you want uh the the rainbow ends in south bend how's that creative allowed that's all i got um i don't know it was it was an interesting experience and uh, definitely a, a, a good game day vibe if you've never been up there even even if tech wasn't playing it'd be just a good place to watch a game sure
0: was all right uh, i think that's it for us we will talk to you all next week